or is it? Special delivery for Mr. Benedict Garman. Teo! What are you doing here, boy? It's an absolute blizzard out there. I'm hand-delivering all my presents this year, didn't I say? No, you did not say. Let me turn the camera on and take a look at you. Oh, quite the delivery you got there. Tis the season. The season of broken backs and precarious packs. Well, I got a few supplies. It's a fair track from Cardiff to Birmingham. Jesus. If my internet hadn't been so patchy lately, I'd have messaged and told you not to bother. Those BT bastards have been a real pain in the ass recently. Tell me about it. I'd invite you in. Oh, great. But... Yeah? Yeah, I'm not gonna. Oh. Anyway, I'll open a hatch for the presents. Cheers, mate. is a big package and your package looks in perfect condition. Great job. Thumbs up. My pleasure. Just remember to uh, like and subscribe, yeah? Sure thing. Careful going back up the M4, okay? Okay. Actually, since you're uh, since you're delivering, can you take a few things back via mid-Wales for me? I guess so. Ah, oh, sweet. Just make sure you keep them horizontal, dry, and between 5 and 10 degrees centigrade at all times. Right. Thanks again. I'll see you later. All right, mate. You didn't get me a present, did you? Um, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the hatch. Oh, cheers, man. Wait, the present says to Ben, happy Christmas, lots of love, gran on it. I'm not Ben, I'm Teo. Yeah, and I'm not Teo, I'm Ben. And this is Pixel Vision. What game are we talking about, Teo? We're going to be talking about Death Stranding, an epic game uh, of walking and delivering parcels. <laughs> yeah, and did you know it was originally released on the 8th of November 2019, so we're doing this just about a year after its, uh, after its first release. Nice. It has only just been released on PC, though, so we're not that out of date with the PC crowd. That's true. We're pretty fresh. I think it was July. Mm. And you played it on PC, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you also finish it? No, but I did get further than you, I think. You said you got to episode... Uh, uh, I finished four. it in the end, mate. Finished it. You finished the game? <laughs> yeah. You said you are going to be more like kinder to yourself and not play games if you're not enjoying them. Yeah, I know. And then... <laughs> and then... We'll get onto it. Okay, cool. But then I just found myself, like, hypnotised or something. I had some sort of genuine breakdown where I thought... I cannot leave this game unfinished. I've come this far. It was Gambler's Fallacy. And I was like, I'm all in at this point. I've got to get to the end in the hope that maybe I could justify some of that time. But we'll get there. We'll get there. So what did you think? I loved it. I found it, like you said before, just incredibly hypnotic and relaxing. Apart from the bits, especially towards the beginning, which are like freaky and scary and horror filmy. I found it a very therapeutic game. Hmm. Right. Well, give us a down low. What's the crack? The game's Death Stranding, like we said. You play as Sam Porter Bridges, 
oh, terribly can't even remember the actor's name. Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus. Actor's names are more sort of your ballpark than mine, I think. The key point is you're playing a delivery person who is reconnecting the United Cities of America after a post-apocalyptic event. So there's all these isolated hubs and shelters of like human civilization, really patchy, and you're reconnecting everyone together again through this thing called the chiral network um which might as well be the internet yeah that can also 3d print things <laughs> yeah yeah and uh we'll get into the plot a little bit later because it's definitely one that needs like unspinning i think yeah well so i thought that you were basically gonna say here's a plot summary <laughs> you know those run and fetch quests that's death stranding full stop because mm. Death Stranding is a game where they decided, and by they, I mean Hideo Kojima, because it's his game. Yeah. And fuck me, he really wants you to know it. He tells you about 10 times in the first 10 minutes, like various different ways, credits, like on-screen splashes, scrolling bars, Hideo Kojima, Hideo Kojima, Hideo Kojima. Yeah. It's definitely one of his games. And he basically thought, yeah, you know what would be really cool if those run and fetch quests that everybody always laments in games and says are the shittest side quests in games wouldn't it be great if a whole game was just a run and fetch quest and then he built that game at vast vast expense somehow roped in half of hollywood who i can only assume are good friends of his yeah and then foisted it on the gaming community and left us to suck it up because that is literally the whole game that's not a diss that's a description (laughs) Sam is a human pack mule, a walking Jenga tower. (laughs) He is very much a walking Jenga tower. I'm getting the impression that you didn't warm to it perhaps quite as much as me. But most games aren't designed for fetch quests. They're just a lazy addition to pad out the content of other games. Because this game is entirely built around that premise, the mechanics and the, the world itself, which you travel around, are just completely designed for that purpose and in that sense it's just it, it, it's made it really engaging for that for that purpose i felt it's a heartfelt and strong counter argument <laughs> so it's not like you're just running like you have balance mechanics terrain mechanics where you like stumble on every single like rock and pebble yeah i mean the balance mechanics though like just loading sam porter bridges with packages in the first place is like playing buckaroo <laughs> Like, if you substitute the hilarity and entertainment of Vakaru for, like, vapid monotony, it's a little bit like that. No, but the balance thing in general just isn't that fun of an addition, I didn't think. Like, it's realistic, but it's realistic in the same way as a lot of Red Dead Redemption 2 features were realistic, but were also just a bit boring. Like, how annoying is it that every time you try and walk forwards like literally every time within a couple of meters your character stumbles either to the left or to the right Mm. and you have to negate that by pulling on one of the paddles like left or right every time and that's constant you have to just constantly do that yeah yeah i mean that's the game but it's quite tactile don't you think if you're playing a shooter you press the trigger at the right time if you're playing a walking simulator done as well as this one, then it's like you're constantly being involved with your triggers moving around the game world. Or you can just hold both triggers down and he does that thing of tucking his thumbs under his rucksack and just pulls himself together and then he can walk fine. It's like, well, I'll just do that. Yeah, but that takes that does take more energy. Yeah. <laughs> 
there are lots of things which make the game quicker. It's the, it's in the first few acts, isn't it? Or episodes, as they're called, I think. Where it's at its slowest. But to be honest, that was also the part of the game which I enjoyed the most. So I think there are 14 episodes, but they're not anywhere close to equal length. No. So like, you get to episode three, probably within an hour or two, and then... Once you're in episode three, you spend about 70% of the game there, Mm. (laughs) which is probably the next 50 hours or so. And then the remaining sort of 10 or 11. Yeah, actually, the remaining 10 episodes are raced through, relatively speaking, mostly cutscenes. And then there's the credits. And then there's like a bonus episode, which is episode 14, which is also just a load of cutscenes. So really, the bulk of the game takes place, I would say, between episodes three and sort of six or seven yeah that's true that's when you have the most deliveries and each episode is ordered somewhat by the number of deliveries that you have to make those are your main quests there's a lot of optional fetch quests (laughs) that you can undertake but there'll be a main line of fetch quests where you have to travel between particular locations to move the plot forward and it's pretty clear which ones they are Mm. so how much additional currying you do is kind of up to you yeah Well, let's paint a little bit of a picture of this world because it's Mm. not just any old landscape. It's kind of like Iceland, in my view. Yeah, it is. I think they were probably basing it on Iceland. It's that sort of cold, barren, basaltic beaches, so black beaches, contrasts, and really windswept and kind of torn by the environment and nature. And then into steep mountains and mountain ranges that you end up having to hike up into. And there are whiteouts and blizzards and all sorts. So it's very much a dramatic landscape, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the reason, well, one of the reasons you're the one delivering is not just because you've been tasked with it as a way to reconnect the remaining cities in America, but because you have a sort of a gift called dooms, which means you can sense these otherworldly beings which inhabit the surface world and which everyone else is absolutely terrified of. You have a sense for them. This route's crawling with BTs. Sure you can't use another? I wish I could, but there's no time. Hey, we can do this. We just need someone like you with dooms. I can't spot BTs. Just sense them. That's why we came prepared. A bridge baby, huh? And we haven't even mentioned it yet, but you also have a piece of equipment called a BB. Bridge baby. And it is literally a baby in a sort of womb-like glass casing <laughs> it's kind of creepy it's a bit minority reporter it's better if you don't think of them as human no they're much more than that and you plug it into yourself and it allows you to be able to like communicate with this other realm all the more easily yeah i mean don't you think though the fact that it is a baby and they call it a bb is like an example of the game tip in its hand that it thinks it's being quite clever but really it's not very clever is it bb baby whoa good pun (laughs) but i think its cleverness is in its scale because it's never subtle it's never subtle throughout the entire game and it's not trying to be subtle at all for instance the currency which you accumulate which you can build more things with and buy more stuff is literally likes as in thumbs up likes facebook style so the more things you deliver the more likes you get and the more you're able to take advantage of the different resources at each city and things like that so yeah again like not a subtle commentary on how society as we know it today somewhat functions through the 
pseudo-currency of likes, as in popularity on the internet. Social media, kudos. Yeah. Yeah, but also there's a lot of techno jargon. BBs is just one of them, and it's the most obvious because BB and baby. But there's also BTs, there's cupids, there's the chiral web, knots, grams, still mothers, mm. beaches. Oh, timefall, which is when it rains, the rain, literally anything it makes contact with, ages much faster. Yeah. And you also get snow timefall, which is like the same thing, but a bit more intense. Yeah. But yeah, there's all these concepts, and every concept they introduce, they then have to explain. You get a pop-up from your hologram or a bleep from your cupid and you look at it without being able to consult at all. Like it doesn't bleep like, oh yeah, you can check this if you want. It literally just hijacks your screen like boop, boop, boop. And then up comes your cupid and you get a hologram and a disembodied voice giving you a lecture. Sam, sometimes other porters will return Bridges' vehicles to the garage. They're for everyone, so feel free to use them if you want. Make sure you carry pizzas properly at all times. If you do something stupid, like turn it on its side, you'll ruin it. Like, most of the game is exposition, because in order to explain anything, they have to explain everything. Mm. Yeah, it has exposition like a B-movie has exposition. A B-movie with an absolutely ridiculous plot that's just telling you what's going on at every point <laughs> and hoping that you'll get on side. And I did get on side for the most part. Like, I thought it was hilarious quite often. <laughs> I was laughing out loud at how ridiculous it was. Like, there's one point in the game where I think a character literally says, like, I brought you a metaphor or something like that. Do you remember that bit? Not specifically. It's B-movie in a lot of ways, though. And it's not just the exposition factor. It's also even just the character names. Mm. Like, Guillermo del Toro, as in the famous film director, plays a character in it, and he is Dead Man. Another character is called Die Heart Man. That's Heart Man, and then it's Die Hard Man, isn't it? Like, literally, John, like John McCain, Die Hard. Yes! Oh my god! Come to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. Oh my god, you're right. It's Die Hard Man, and Heart Man, and Dead Man, and Fragile. It's like, what is this? Seriously, these are like the kind of names that the Watchmen gave each other. Or like kick-ass characters when they're putting on their first cape come up with. Yeah. The one I was grasping for before was Mama, who um, has literally not been able to let go of her stillborn baby. Yeah. Hence Mama. Hence her name Mama, yeah. And Heartman is a guy whose heart constantly stops. Yeah, your character, Sam Porter Bridges, and your adopted sister, or your her adopted brother, who you're trying to reach at the end of the game. Just the two of you are the only people with real names, really, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And the, one of the characters, Fragile, who's this other porter. So you're all called porters, the people who are carrying stuff from A to B. Yeah. Because it's so unsafe to go outside that mm. no one wants to do it and as a result porters are like the most prized careers and everyone really admires them and respects them mm. because no one else wants to do it and it's also a good way for you to arrive at a settlement and the game tells you in the corner like population 80,000 and you see no one at all <laughs> anywhere like it's a totally empty world yeah that's one of the spooky things about the game actually is that you're delivering all these parcels or packages, but you only ever get to see the holograms of basically the door person of that city. The entire population of that city is underground and you never see them. 
alive. Even the guards, completely pointlessly, are hologram guards as you reach each city. You do see other people in the game, like there are a handful of other porters. Yeah. There are terrorists and mules who are sort of essentially just raiders yeah. who live on the surface. They're porters who became obsessed with, like, they've basically become delivery junkies. <laughs> that is literally what a mule is, isn't it? They're addicted to parcels, <laughs> so they want to steal them all. <laughs> yeah, they originally started delivering them like any other porter, and then they just became so obsessed that they started stealing parcels off other people as well. Is it? I didn't realise that was the backstory of the mules. But anyway, the reason I mentioned Fragile before is because she's got a catchphrase where she's like, I'm fragile, I'm fragile. but I'm not that I'm fragile. Not that fragile. <laughs> yeah. Come on, what is this? And then there's another character who shows up who's like the bad terrorist character called Higgs. Higgs. And you're thinking, oh yeah, it's a game all sciencey and stuff. And probably they're referencing the Higgs boson particle, like the big bang particle or whatever they call it uh-huh. and later in the game he literally just in one of his big speeches he's like i'm higgs i'm the particle or whatever and you're like oh god the name's higgs the particle of god that permeates all existence that's what i mean about it not taking itself too seriously and breaking the third wall the entire thing is both at the same time incredibly broad and on the nose and then unbelievable in its scope or when i say scope i just mean the size and depth of all of its game mechanics or just like literal size in terms of probably like gigabytes <laughs> do you know what i mean like the world is massive and hugely detailed and beautiful i thought uh, we haven't mentioned it yet but the way in which you interact with other players in the game so it's not a multiplayer game but you share a kind of persistent world with some other players hey yeah hey yeah Yo, yo, keep on keeping on. I didn't engage with that side of it that much, but because you build these structures that help you to traverse the world, so initially you have ladders and simple bridges and things like that, grappling hooks to scale down the cliffs. Later on, you get zip lines where you can like zip between mountains a lot quicker, shelters, but all of these things cost materials and time to build. And it is time consuming to like go around and hoover up these resources so you can help each other as players. So you can use structures which other players have built. Yeah. But obviously not the entire world or just whoever's on your small community server. Yeah, I actually quite liked that element. It was almost like a tech demo prototype of this would be cool implemented in a better way in a better game something similar i thought it was cool how you shared a locker but i never really knew why i wanted to share a locker with anyone like i barely ever needed to put anything in a locker or take anything out of a locker Mm. like the bridge stuff someone else might have built a bridge and that's quite useful but i never felt that incentivized to build my own bridges for other people yeah when i say i didn't engage with it i felt exactly the same because i was rushing through the game a little bit well no i was i was taking my time but it was an extra layer of tasks to take on which i wasn't really prepared to do like i built a few really nice zipline pathways and stuff like that but yeah like bridges shelters my favorite element of the game actually was kind of related to this which was building roads at Eorto pavers mm. who'd have thought i'd have uh, been such a fan of road building 
But yeah, I definitely would have got the longest road achievement. Very good. Settle as a Catan reference there. If we'd have been playing. But yeah, I went out of my way and probably spent way more time than I needed to or sensibly should have in creating roads because it felt more achievable and the result of doing it actually felt rewarding. Like, oh yeah, I've built this road. Now I can get there quicker and it's on a, on the grid, on the chiral network, so it didn't waste my battery when I went on it and all that kind of stuff. Whereas a lot of the quests I would focus on, but actually when I finished the quest, it was just kind of an epic cutscene, rambly techno jargon that I didn't really understand, referencing stuff that they hadn't yet explained or then explained at length by which time I was bored at the end of the cutscene and then they gave me another quest and I was kind of like wow that didn't really feel rewarding at all and now I've got to do the exact same thing but in a new area and don't get me wrong the game does look beautiful I'm not gonna contest that but it doesn't look variable there's no variety in the map like other than okay there are three points of variety the sort of plains the grassy plains with rocks and streams and that kind of stuff mm. then the beach itself and the beach areas which are really low lying and then the mountains and those are your kind of three areas mm. and every single new unlockable area that you go through in the game looks like one of those three zones mm. it's not diverse it's not kind of you un you you're introduced to a new bio biome biome yeah that's the word i was after subnautica style that is true but i don't know it still felt it felt varied for me because i knew where i was at every point you get to know the map so well and i always love that in a game but it's more the elevations and the location of mountains and the little spots where the rivers are all that sort of thing um that i felt gave it its variety i don't know if you walk around the real world like the english countryside like Looks mostly the same. Yeah, except this isn't meant to be the English countryside. This is meant to be the United States of America, which <laughs> you somehow managed to traverse on foot inside <laughs> of a like 20 minutes. And it all looks exactly the same. I love how there's never any reference made to that. And it looks like Iceland, not the USA. Yeah, fair. I can't really contest that exactly, other than that it didn't really bother me. If she dies, America dies. You're going to work with the rest of us to rebuild America. America isn't dead yet. America needs you. The whole kind of backstory is like, America needs you. Sam Porter Bridges, you're the only one. Like, Sam never wants to do the quests, but he always does it anyway. And the whole mm. underlying motivation is America needs you. It's that like classic patriotic push. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna rise up, gonna kick a little ass, gonna kick some ass in the USA, gonna climb a mountain, gonna sow a flag, gonna fly on an eagle, I'm gonna kick some butt, I'm gonna drive a big truck, I'm gonna rule this world, I'm gonna kick some ass, I'm gonna rise up, I'm gonna kick a little ass, rock, flag, and eagle! Could you get on board with that? I didn't find that motivating at all. Not really, I definitely didn't find it motivating, and I don't know if you're meant to buy into it completely. Completely. Like, certainly, as you say, your character, Sam Porter Bridges, isn't totally invested in this project. They're telling you you're the only person to do this and you're kind of going along with it. But I don't think you particularly, like, trust them completely. No, you definitely don't. But that's because the guy who's the main guy giving you all the fucking quests covers his face with a mask. <laughs> Nobody knows his identity, but he's, like, the guy leading the entire effort to reunify the United States. 
I mean, that's a difficult guy to get on board with, isn't it? Yeah, and also it is just a like a plain corporation as well. There's no even like facade here. It's just a corp who wants to, but they're doing it for the right reasons. It's almost like conscientious capitalism, almost. Speaking of capitalism, my friend, what did you make of all the product placement in the game? Oh my goodness. Specifically, monster energy that sits neatly on your table in every single, um, what's it called when you go into your like little room? Just called your room, isn't it? I don't know. It's got some quirky name. But yeah, every time you go in there, you've got a bed, a shower, a toilet. You can shower after every mission to wash off like chiralium density from your body you can use the toilet either standing up or sitting down it's your your option you can go for a poo or take a piss so that you can make your poo and piss into grenades which you will never use <laughs> no it's true you do never use them because you get blood ones in the end they're better but <laughs> you could do it if you want to yeah so they handcuff you to the bed when you go in there under the premise that like oh yeah it's all about bonds these represent like the bonds of unity i know they're literal handcuffs like come on it must be making an unsubtle reference to how we're chained to our phones and how they're actually keeping us imprisoned rather than freeing us or something like that or maybe they're not even but that's what it is there anyway i don't know they're not shackles sam they're a symbol of our bonds. That's what we need right now. Not to stand apart, but to come together. To form chiral knots and reconnect. It feels like the whole thing is slightly trolling the player. Mm. Because your motivation as the porter is to do stuff for likes. Beyond the main story, which we've already established is a run and fetch quest at heart. You can do extra run and fetch quests as well. But there's no real explanation for why you would do those because the only reward is more likes and like boosting your rank which is just an arbitrary number (laughs) in fact one of the ranks that levels up when you do finish a quest is called miscellaneous rank that's literally what it's called and the same with titles like throughout the game you get promoted each time you do something well like if you do it quickly or if you do it without damaging the cargo and that kind of stuff Mm. your rank goes up and you get a new name so it goes from handler to expert handler to like elite to mover to all these kind of things transporter Transporter. for a minute i thought they were gonna bloody wheel in jason statham at that stage yeah i'm looking for a transporter i'm listening was supposed to be an easy assignment. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind transporting something for me. No questions asked. Why not? The Transporter. And you're doing it for that. You realize these are all triggers, the same as likes. They're little addictive nuggets. And fuck me, it works. This is the most addictive game I've played in ages. I honestly felt like I was not in control of myself when I was playing it because I wanted to do anything other than carry on playing. And I kept on playing. Mm. (laughs) It is really, really addictive. But it wasn't the numbers going up that made it addictive for me. Like I didn't pay much attention to the experience points you earn at the end of each delivery. Just the act of running in the game, I've found incredibly satisfying. That day on, if I was going somewhere, I was running. That boy sure is a running fool. Just thinking about it now, actually, I hadn't thought about this before, but um, do you remember not the first Prince of Persia games, but the first one that they made into a cell shade one? It was on the 360. It was a game where it didn't have much combat. 
like it was more about the running and the traversal of each zone rather than the combat of the more earlier ones. Kind of like the original 2D Prince Persia's. Yeah. Less focused on the um, combat, weren't they? More exploration. Yeah. But anyway, a lot of people found that game quite boring because they were just like, well, it's just running around. But there was something so satisfying about the movement in it that I just got really addicted to it. And it's the same in this. I don't know why. So the two stages I liked, first of all, was planning your route. So looking at the map, seeing what route you thought would be the easiest. Because if you go as the crow flies, that's the terrible thing to do because there'll be a massive mountain and whatever. So you have to weave your way through the most level parts in order to get places quickly so getting to a place quickly in the most efficient way uh yeah i don't know just found it really really addicting it's quite funny because one of the npcs in the game at one moment actually sends you an in-game mail so we didn't mention that but you you're in contact with everyone you've ever dropped a package off for and they constantly send mm. you little updates with tons of emojis in and stuff like that it's like lame but yeah they send you those letters and one of them says why anyone would choose to traipse around a country carrying boxes on their back is a mystery to me and i just thought this game is trolling me it's the only explanation it's definitely trolling you a little bit because as the game goes on you can actually play it a bit more like a traditional third person game can't you Mm. so initially there aren't any weapons or anything like that you have to run away from most enemies you have to really creep around the bts to make sure that you don't get them but as you say eventually your weaponry becomes so sophisticated that you can just chuck a bunch of blood grenades at the bts to kill them very very easily and same with mules and terrorists as well like you're just basically invincible by the end of it aren't you yeah i found it way more efficient and easier and just generally less stressful to walk into an environment and when there were bts i'd immediately allow myself to be sucked under by the bts dragged to their big boss bt and then just destroy it and then the sun comes out no more typhoon no more holding my breath job done interesting (laughs) and the same with mules and terrorists anytime i got to one of those areas where i needed to sneak in it was like a faff to sneak mm. so i would just walk in shoot everyone <laughs> and then get what i needed and walk out again <laughs> yeah in classic me style i hated that side of it and i hated the sneaking as well like sneaking was tedious as fuck sneaking but yeah i tended to just plot routes around those areas as much as possible and i didn't even think of the tactic of luring the big bt monster out what's it shaped as oh they are all shaped as different stuff to begin with they're like big whales i think whales yeah there's like a squid one Partway through the game they're like these giant lions or sort of big cats that pounce on you by the end of the game you're fighting like an actual giant like a literal giant which higgs is controlling i didn't get to that boss battle let the game resume. Throughout the game, you get these flashbacks. What it seems to be is the flashbacks of the BB when it was first born. And because it's connected to you, it's like you're living its nightmares of its even earlier childhood. Because it's in a permanent status of like baby form, <laughs> kept however it is. So that it can be used as a tool rather than a thing. But you become really attached to it. And another one of the joke's little mechanics is that if you fall over too much or um, get too much damage, then the baby starts to cry and you have to unplug it and and cradle it until it feels better again and then plug it back in. (laughs) You're shaking your head like you absolutely hated doing that. 
Yeah, I did. Because to begin with, I think you're meant to sort of grow to care about the baby and like do that and like cradle it a bit. But it's such a faff to do that constantly. Mm. I just ended up just ignoring it when it cried. I was like, oh, shut up, you little shit kind of thing. Wow. <laughs> I, was like, I was like full on social services should have been called. <laughs> wow, interesting. I definitely think the game was trying to make you care because when you hear a baby crying, I feel like humans are almost hardwired to get into a heightened state of anxiety when they hear that noise and i felt like it was playing on your your strings yeah and you do feel that to begin with another one just while it's in my head is that you drink the monster energy drinks like we said and you have a canteen of monster energy drink which you can use to replenish your energy but the more you drink the more you need a piss so every now and again you have to relieve yourself outside just having a wee in the wilderness another little layer to the mechanics yeah, but a layer that adds what? Like, that's what I was getting to at the beginning, is that we can go for realism, like, oh, he drinks a lot, he needs a wee a lot. But, you know, actually, realism doesn't always translate into fun. <laughs> There's a reason that games often ignored all the tedious shit bits of life and just do the fun and far-fetched and often totally impossible elements of life. I definitely don't think this game is going for pure fun. It wants to be art clearly wants to be art i don't think they mind too much about whether the player is having fun or not like it feels has the feeling of a vanity project doesn't it mm, big time hideo Yumis has said like this is the game i'm making make what you will of it public and he is seen as kind of like that classic auteur in the gaming community mm. off the back of the metal gear solid franchise the only sort of comparable figure in the gaming world that comes to mind is peter molyneux mm. you know the guy who did black and white and the fable series yeah and course. was almost reviled by the end by the gaming community and like ultimately sort of exiled because he made so many promises about the incredible things his games could do and then by the time of their release they never delivered on half of what he was pledging yeah yeah plant an acorn and uh, watch it grow throughout the game into a giant oak tree <laughs> yeah exactly classic one of his the thing is that's a level of ambition and I remember being really critical of Peter Monia at the time, or feeling critical of him, because I thought he was basically mis-selling his games. Mm. But the truth of it is, he, he had great ambitions, and the fact that his games delivered on even, like, half of what he actually aspired for them to deliver on meant that they were incredible immersive games. Whereas with Hideo Kojima, I feel like he's got that same attitude of, like, I'm an auto, I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to do it my way, but that way is fucking batshit crazy and not very enjoyable <laughs> but you've still played it for how many hours I don't... yeah i know but that's that's what i'm saying i feel like i was manipulated really ah oh, it's so interesting i just enjoy this game as an experience and you got to the end i i know what happens at the end because one of my favorite video game critics tim rogers did a spoiler video he did a review video which is brilliant as well but then also a spoiler video so once i'd done as much of the game as i was going to play i watched the spoiler video just to get a bit of tim rogers content in as well so i do know what happens at the end i guess that is big time spoilers but what did you think of the ending because we're in spoiler territory so although one thing that we haven't mentioned throughout is mads mickelson's character yeah he's called cliff mm, clifford unger clifford unger yeah Every time he appears, he's either in a memory mm. where he's kind of being a chatty dad-like figure to the BB, or he appears from beneath this like liquidy tar water, black water stuff. And he emerges in his kind of classic apocalypse now smeared face. Mm -hmm. And then there's these four zombies come out in front of him and he's like, 
pointing at his two eyes and then forwards to like command them forwards and every yeah. time he appears he does that animation and every time i was like don't do the eye thing don't do the eye thing and then he did the eye thing i was like seriously talk about get your money's worth <laughs> from this animation but that's something that gets revealed probably about midway through the game i definitely got to that point which is that you think that you're getting flashbacks to your BB, but it is actually your own flashbacks. And Mads Mikkelsen is your father. Your father. But you were meant to be a BB, but ended up not going to say graduating, but it feels like the wrong phrase for a baby that endlessly lives in a glass container. Yeah, exactly. He realises that you're destined to be trapped in that container for life and it's like a sacrifice and he doesn't want you to go through it. So he runs away, steals you, gets shot... And that's why the whole way through, you're like fighting him in these weird fucking flashback sequences where you go to World War One yeah. and are like shooting people in the trenches and stuff. They do try and explain that, but really it's just so they can squeeze in some battles on a battlefield with ta- with zombie tanks and zombie Germans. Or yeah, that's to do with, I think, to do with there being in moments in time of where there's been a lot of human suffering and death all like located in one place then it basically creates these intense i'm gonna say beach experiences (laughs) like these intense beaches because everyone has a beach and this is the way you reach the afterlife and this is one of the things which is (laughs) you're you look like you're glazing over (laughs) i'm stumbling trying to explain the law because it is confusing but i mean to be honest i think there are other things to talk about because if you haven't played the game a lot of this is so porridgey and very confusing i I have played the game and i still find it confusing and porridgey and quite tedious whereas there are some things that the game does that i think are really worth talking about so for instance they've chosen to populate the cast with really high profile well not really high profile but high profile hollywood voice actors and actual actors Mm. so not just norman reedus we also said guillermo del toro there's also um margaret qualley i think her name is mads mickelson obviously mads mickelson yeah exactly there's others as well i can't remember who the others are now and that's you know it's not the first time that games have done that and other actors do kind of bridge the worlds of film and tv and games like lance reddick with horizon zero dawn and stuff lance reddick is in so many games (laughs) (laughs) yeah he is chain of command (laughs) i'll find who's behind this find jack that's our priority get your best man on it there's more but with this game not only have they done that they've also introduced the characters the very first time they appear with the actor's name so it's like Sam Porter Bridges and underneath it's like Norman Reedus what the fuck like imagine if you're watching James Bond and like Bond appears on screen and <laughs> it flashes up like James Bond brackets Daniel Craig what? I'm trying to get immersed in a game I'm not interested in who the fucking casting director chose do you know what I mean and actually since you're asking me who the casting director chose Norman Reedus bad choice he's an absolute wimp he's teeny he's got no stature how is he carrying all this stuff he's got no emotional range whatsoever he's like a flannel and he's meant to be this sort of torn individual with loads going on so bad casting choice as well but what did you think of that so they they introduce they introduce (laughs) every single character with their actor's name on screen i just found it fun and charming i honestly did it was corny and silly but i found it charming they do the same thing with the music so it's not quite a pop 
soundtrack, but it's basically like emo electronic, I'm going to say. I <laughs> yeah, I like your description. Am I allowed to say that? Low raw. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a. I I really like it actually. Yeah, low raw. Yeah, me too. I got really into low raw, but only because I was playing the game and I felt like I had good experiences, as in good in-game experiences, to associate with that music. So they do the same thing with the music. You'll get to the top of a hill and this giant vista, your favourite, and you see a city and the music will kick in. And it's like it's been orchestrated for you because you could enter at any point and the music would kick in. The exact route that you've taken is up to you, but the music has clearly been programmed to still like come in at like a certain point. And the name of the song and the artist will come up on the screen. And then that song, once you've unlocked that song then, so that you can play it when you're in your private room. <laughs> I don't know. I just found it really charming. Why would you go to your private room, navigate to the terminal, scroll down to the music options, and then choose to play a tune and just sit there? I don't know. And listen to it? I don't know. When you could just load up Spotify in the real world and find low raw. Look at yourself in the mirror. Have a shower. But even assuming that you did want to do that, and like, fine, I actually admit here briefly that the first time that happened, I thought, oh, that's quite cool, actually, the way that it's orchestrated so that when I appear at the top of the mountain, I get that view and then this beautiful music kicks in. And it's like a soundtrack to a road trip and I'm crossing the continent and I've got this great tune. I like that. What I didn't like is that the name of the song appears underneath it it says the band and underneath that it says provided by sony distribution or whatever <laughs> you're like are you fucking kidding me i'm in a game just keep your contracts out of it i don't care who provided the music or like who you need to do a hat tip to to get a cheaper discount when you manage to get the rights to play it in the game like what the hell that's what i was gonna say about monster drink all the way back at the start is that a game this big doesn't fund itself. <laughs> a vanity project still needs backers, basically. That's an interesting point because Monster Energy is the main kind of corporate sponsor that springs to mind anyway. In that every time you go into the room, there are literally a pack, like four cans on your side that say Monster, all of the logos pointed to the screen. Mm. Anytime you drink from your canteen, it says like, Sam drinks Monster Energy <laughs> or whatever. Like, not the voice, <laughs> but it appears on screen. And... That's not okay, for a start. But this isn't the first game to do that, because, like, Subway, I think, was in Uncharted 3 as, like, one of the key sponsors. And the Obama campaign had billboards in Burnout Paradise. So while you were, like, driving along the road, there were billboards. Interesting. I did not know that. Which is really cool. Wait, well, I, say really, I love that I said it's really cool when it's Obama campaign posters. Yeah, if it had been Trump, you'd have been like, it's an outrage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right, sorry. Uh, hold my hands up. <laughs> Bias there. It's fine. Look, this isn't the BBC, okay? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, <laughs> damn right. It's I not. can assume my impartiality. But yeah, so I guess if you play, like, Fortnite or something else super mainstream and popular like that then you do see a lot of kind of corporate sponsorship and maybe mm. you're inured to it to some extent even in any other game where there's a lot more going on where you're in a town and there are neon lights and signs and build, like then maybe you don't really notice the corporate sponsorship but this is an empty world more or less filled with great grey monoliths that are apparently buildings that are all mm. 
equipped exactly the same. They look the same when you enter, they look the same. All of the mm -hmm. terminals are in the exact same place. Like every single building in every single settlement looks the same. Yet in amongst this empty wilderness, there are just a pack of four monster cans in every fucking <laughs> private room that you enter. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. The world is so stark in its aesthetic. It's very, very post-apocalyptic. And these bright green monster energy drinks stick out like a massive sore thumb. Yeah, I just thought it was funny. Like, it didn't bother me because I just laughed at it. I laughed at it and probably with it as well. Like, it clearly is not taking itself seriously. Here's another one. What did you think of the meta... And I almost don't even want to say meta because that implies subtlety where there is none here. But references to other pop culture games. The characters will reference Half-Life. Your character is described as being a big fan of like the Half-Life franchise. Another one says, can you go and pick me up a companion cube? Like as in from the Portal games. Ah, uh, yeah, the companion cube. When they give you a reward, they give you Gordon Freeman's glasses. Like... I don't know what the obsession is there, but I don't know whether it's just a little hat tip from Hideo to Gabe Newell or something like. Again, it's just presumably Hideo Kojima's tastes slipping into the game in the same way that you'd reference something in a in a film script or. Yeah, but there's a line that I don't think is that fine between referencing and co-opting. Mm. It felt to me like, oh look, I know gamers love Half Life. Wouldn't it be great if I just throw in some Half-Life references? Because they're going to love it, because they love that game. And the same with, there's another moment, which in some ways is even more shocking, when one of the characters can't remember which one it is. Oh, actually, it's Norman. It's Sam Bridges. Says, So I'm Mario and you're Princess Peach. Yeah, yeah. To Amelia. And then a second later, it's almost like he's just teed up the genius pun from Amelia, where she says, We run like Mario. Mario and Princess Peach. Beach. Get it? Because there's beaches in Death Stranding. Yay! As if the whole game had been built around that pun. <laughs> yeah. I just felt they were taking properties that were beloved properties and then shoehorning in them into their shit game so that they could be like, you love those games, so don't you love this one as well? Because we're of the same caliber. This is probably the point at which it starts to slip for me a little bit as well. It's because I don't mind watching a shit movie and laughing at it for a couple of hours. But a shit movie does only last a couple of hours. Whereas something... I mean, I wouldn't say I was, like, charmed by the plot. But it did take me with it, even though it was crap. Like, it undeniably crap. <laughs> like, the plot was garbage. <laughs> but it was fun and, and funny. But probably not for 40 hours, which is about what I played. Mm. And now you must have played for even longer than that. What did you play? Like 60 hours in the end? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. So I actually checked the Epic Games Store before. Uh, I played for three days, nine hours and 58 minutes. That's so long. And 49 seconds, if I'm being totally candid. That's a long time. It's horrible. It's basically 80 plus hours in the game. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really give you enough to warrant that. Uh, just excuse me a minute. I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> but I would go as far as to say I loved it all the same. I didn't hate it like you. I enjoyed playing it, even though the plot was garbage. I just found it fun and funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, speaking of garbage plots, what did you think of the subplot where the game's like, one of the characters are like, oh, I lost my loved oh, one, yeah. blah, blah, blah. All I I'm wanted to be was this. United. Yeah, glad you mentioned this because all throughout the game, like we said already, you uh, just interact with the holograms coming through from the cities. And this one, she comes out. Is it the junk dealer and the chiral artist? Yeah. Are those the two? Um, you, every uh, li- you don't just deliver to cities, but you deliver to people's sort of independent houses, professions. But they're always known by their profession. Yeah, <laughs> bizarrely. So anyway, there's a little love story between these two, and when you connect them, she decides that she wants to go and find her lost love. So she literally like opens the door. That bit's amazing though, because you never see the real people you're delivering to, and then you physically carry her all the way to the junk dealers, which is actually just over the other side of the hill. Yeah, they're so close yeah, to in, each other in this giant body bag. <laughs> they're so close, and yet so far. But then that's really interesting because initially it's like happy, um, they're loving it. But then through emails, you find out that actually things aren't going too well, and they end up splitting up and um, and moving out. Did you not get that? Yeah, I got that. And you thought that was interesting. I thought that was one of the least interesting plots ever. Like, oh, isn't marriage not everything it's cracked up to be? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was so lame. It was, again, it was another, like, insult so to the player as well. Like, please go out of your way to unite these two lovers. And you're like, oh, fine, I will. Even though it's a side quest. You go, you do it, you fight loads of BTs. Fuck, it's tedious. Eventually, after hours of gameplay, they get together. Then they start telling you that they're not that happy together. And you're like, that's bad enough. That's quite annoying. Maybe just keep that to yourself. Because I went out of my way to put you together. And then, like, fast forward 24 hours more real-time gameplay. And then they send you a message like, yeah, it didn't work out. We split up, actually. It's just marriage for you, isn't it? We got married and it didn't really work. Unbelievable. You're basically saying I fully wasted my time and you're letting me know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I liked it. What can I say? All right, but I quickly want to go back because I asked you before what you thought about the high-profile actors mm. being used. And the reason I asked this on some level is because... Games and film and TV are often considered really separate in terms of their workforce. Mm. So the people who voice games and who voice act in general, actually, whether that's radio or, or anything else, don't tend to overlap that much with actors that you see on screen. Mm-hmm. Well, not on, you know what I mean by on screen, on the silver screen, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a game with a lot of profile that could have introduced new actors, that could have provided opportunities for voice actors and talented voice artists but instead decided to sell itself with big names that were already established and that truthfully they probably sank half the budget of the whole game mm-hmm. what do you make of that interesting i hadn't heard this idea before um yeah i suppose but it sounds like you're not really that bothered whether they're hollywood actors or not because it doesn't detract from the game for you because one of the reasons it does for me is because like when you read a novel and there is no physical person, there's no one in the world who you're paralleling that person to. It's like building a character from scratch. They fully embody that character. And when you play a game, that's how it's always been, because I've never listened to it, well, up until fairly recently, Mm. I'd never listened to an actor in a game speak as a character and think, wait, that's not that character, that's that actor. (laughs) And, like, it take me out of the game? That had never happened. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like, that happens quite often there is that quite stark overlap yeah i mean obviously i want everyone to be able to make a living i don't think that suddenly the world's going to become like a way worse place because video games are starting to use 
film actors. I don't think the difference in sort of like distribution of wealth is going to be like skewed so far just due to that. I think there are more like fundamental things which have to change for for everyone to be able to have a happy and nice life. But on the point of it just being strange for a player because they're taking out of a game experience because they see a film actor, I just think it's something we'll get used to and we'll probably get used to it quite quickly. That's interesting, like, passive acceptance of that. Really? Yeah, I'm surprised that you don't feel like, yeah, it is actually a bit annoying. Like, like I don't like being taken out of the immersion of a game. And to be like, yeah, well, that sort of happens and you just have to suck it up and eventually you'll get used to it. Seems like a really weirdly subservient... <laughs> But people make the games that they want to make, and I'll play them if I want to play them. There's going to be room for all kinds of games. There's already way too many to play. If you really don't want to play the ones with actors, don't play the ones with actors, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, but what if you want to play the game that someone's making, but with... Not with the actors that they're choosing for that game. Yeah, but you're not making the game. <laughs> it's like you don't ask. You would never take you, Dan. You'd never take this view of films. You'd never say to filmmakers like, "I get to have a say in your casting decision." So I don't see why you get to say it about video games. No, no, no. I'm not saying that players should have a say on who gets cast in games. So much as I don't think it's healthy for games to, first of all, when they're using high-profile gamers, it distracts from immersion. Secondly, it costs a shit ton of money, which means they need to fund it, which means either making sacrifices in the rest of the game or sacrifices to other salaries or accepting shit like product placement. Mm -hmm. And none of those things seem conducive to good games. Mm -hmm. More the point I meant before was, if this wasn't a game that was Hideo Kojima game and that was filled with celebrities and all of the, I'm not sure what the tech is, called behind the sort of animating an, an actor to look exactly like the actor mm. in the game but like they did a lot of it and i remember reading loads of articles about how they were doing that in this game if they didn't have those actors and they didn't have hideo kojima this game would not be played i'm not being funny i just don't think it would i don't think people would talk about it i just think it would be a non-event it would be like the crap sci-fi movie that gets left in a bargain basket yeah you're totally right the reason that this game has been allowed to happen is because of the status of its creator and the cast. Absolutely. I think that's undeniable. Just on that fact alone, it's fun and exciting for that novelty. You don't get that level of superstardom in games generally. And the fact that you do with this, and the fact that it's exceptional for that, is just a fun event in itself. I don't see the super downside. Like, still all the other games are being made. <laughs> like, there should be room for, like, all of the creative dreams and ambitions of creative people to be realized but i don't think there is but okay all right let's let's leave that then I, oh i don't i don't think there is generally in the world like and that's a real shame but taking one down a peg to me doesn't really make sense all right what about your position on your sort of sole objective throughout this game being to pursue a young blonde woman in high heels and a red dress who's clambering around on beaches and in rocks always in the same tight red dress and speaking to you actually not just speaking to you singing softly nursery rhymes london bridge is falling down it's like fuck off amelie if you sing me that again i swear to god i'm gonna kill you when i find you and also that's a cliche because they've done that in like every horror movie ever well not every horror movie ever but a lot of horror movies do that thing of like oh yeah let's sing a little nursery rhyme in the background in a creepy voice and that'll be really jarring when i was going up the stairs i met a man who wasn't there he wasn't there 
She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams, be sure you never, ever scream. Looking in windows, knocking on doors. They need to take seven and they might take yours. Can't call to mom, can't say a word. You're gonna die screaming, but you won't be hurt. <laughs> I don't want to give the impression that Hideo Kojima and myself align precisely on gender politics. I mean, this is the guy who had a character named Quiet in Metal Gear Solid 4 or 5. God, I can't even keep count. Who is naked and the reason, well, not quite naked, almost naked. And the reason given for that is that she has to breathe through her skin. So she's not allowed to wear clothes. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> is that your reason, really? And there's another scene like that in this um, from Fragile, which is a spoiler, but we're well past that, where the reason she always wears clothes, and this is definitely, I would say, a reference to the backlash against Quiet in the previous Metal Gear Solid game, is because she was made to run through time for by Higgs, which means like her body is super aged or whatever. But you get to see that scene where she's sort of just running in her arms. Yeah, it pans up extremely slowly yeah, exactly. from her ankles exactly. up her thighs. Yeah. Like, so it's voyeurism. Like he's a clear voyeur. Like there's no denying that. And he doesn't seem to have seen any criticism for this. Any criticism? Really? I'm not even like someone who cares about this shit in a game. But when it's a bad game, I'm like, come on. No, I've I've heard criticism of it for sure, and criticism of his gender take in his previous games. But you're right, like, perhaps he gets slightly more leeway because the games seem so, like, epic and ridiculous or whatever. And you don't get many of them, so you really want to enjoy them if you can. So, yeah, no, you're all right, all right. I'll take that, I'll take that. I feel like you were so willing to like this game. I wish you could help me understand, other than the zen nature of running through beautiful terrain to a lovely soundtrack. When me and my friends sort of used to run through the fields of wheat, um, the farmers weren't too pleased about that. What did you enjoy about it? What kept you going at it for 40 hours plus? I didn't take it seriously and I found it relaxing. Maybe you're right, maybe I did experience it passively. I just let it happen to me and wash over me. I don't disagree with any of your, of your criticisms. I mean, I expected them and I'm sure many people have the same criticisms of the game and they're entirely warranted but it is interesting because the divide on this game i would say is extremely polarized mm. like as soon as i finished it i was so angry i did that classic like i'm going on the internet to find other people as angry as me yeah. and i uh, and i did i went on reddit as the first stop obviously <laughs> and tons and tons of threads of people hating on it and each of those threads seemed to have at least 50 percent loving on it being like nope it's your view and that's cool but i actually loved it it's the best thing i've ever played super into it and actually a friend who got in touch on twitter said that they hadn't been playing games for a while and one of the games they played recently was death stranding and they'd loved it and it kind of got them back into gaming and i was like whoa hmm. <laughs> so who knows there must be more to it i think interesting
I do have quite a high tolerance for bullshit plot lines. Like, I watch a bunch of anime, and the stories of anime are absolute garbage, but I love it anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Got nothing for you. But I'm glad we had the quality of that 50% here on the podcast. 50% love and 50% hate. <laughs> yeah. Representative. <laughs> Honestly, if there was a game I could erase from our catalogue of having played, like some games I'll play and I don't like them, but I'm like, oh, I'm glad I played it. But, you know, like I didn't like it for whatever reasons, mm. but, you know, it was a worthwhile experience. I just didn't think there was anything redeeming about this experience whatsoever. So if you've ever agreed with me on the games when we talk about them on the pod, then be very fucking cautious with this one, is all I would say. Yeah, fair. Fair enough, fair enough. What's next, Tove? Next is something which I reckon you're definitely going to enjoy, and that is Doom Eternal. Oh, mommy, oh, daddy, let's all play Kabaddi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one as well. It's been ages. Have we even played a shooter on the podcast before? No? I don't think so. Mm, yeah. Not sure. No, I don't think we have. That's weird if we haven't. I haven't played a single first-person shooter. I don't think so. Oh, man, that is a big old omission, isn't it? You played Metro recently and did a review of it on the site. Yeah, that was just a review for the site, though, yeah. Uh, but no, we haven't played a shooter together. Which, uh, if you haven't read, you can read at pixelvision.net after you followed us at <laughs> twitter.com. About time for a shout-out. <laughs> twitter.com. You keep slash. it under wraps for most most of the time, so I think it's fair enough. You've been working hard on Twitter. Thanks, mate, yeah. Forward slash pixelviz. Mm got there in the end yeah no doom eternal i'm absolutely psyched for love a first person shooter probably i don't like to pick a favorite genre because i i do that classic thing of saying it's my favorite genre and then i play a game in a different genre and i'm like that's my favorite game so actually so i think there are just great games in all genres but first person shooters but a soft spot for them for sure yeah that'll take us into the new year i imagine have a very merry christmas everyone (laughs) merry christmas one and all (laughs) see you next time hope you get whichever of the consoles you wanted or you don't get a console and you just play lots more games online or you put down the controller and you have some quality family time well said well said was it well said it was kind (laughs) of like just fencing like do whatever the fuck you want basically and just have a good time doing it you heard it here first (laughs) see ya thumbs up